Welcome to another episode of Priority Status. This is Amy Ogden, Senior Vice President of Brand at J Public Relations. Today, our guest is Michaela Guzzi. Michaela is a globe-trotting content creator and the founder of OhThePeopleYou'llMeet.com. Michaela moved from corporate America to traveling the world and chronicling the places and people she met several years ago. And today she's going to tell us more about that journey, some of the highs, some of the lows, and um, what she sees as trends moving forward when it comes to branding, marketing, and storytelling. Thank you as always for listening. Hi, Michaela. I'm so happy to have you join us today. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Um, So this has been a long time coming. We've really wanted to have you on the podcast. I've known you for several years now um, as, you know, luxury travel and travel industry friend and colleague, and um, you've kind of created your own media brand. So I've been just really wanting to get you on the podcast to talk to our listeners. Um, You have a topic that we haven't covered yet, which is your journey from corporate America into the travel space. And um, I would never do justice kind of telling your story, but I'd love for you to first introduce yourself to our listeners, but then go ahead and go right in and and tell us a little bit about your story. Thank you. Um, Well, it's an interesting one for certain. I'm Michaela and I'm the founder of Oh, The People You Meet. I'm kind of chief content creator and executive producer. So Oh, The People You Meet is a socially conscious content company uh, that I started back in 2012. And I started the company for two different reasons. Um, On the advertising side, so I was vice president of global travel and strategic development for American Express Public. On the advertising side, I was like, oh my God, the world is changing. Advertising is dying as we know it. And my company, while great and great brands, aren't innovating fast enough. And I was really sick of going back to my same partners, destinations, hotels, airlines, and trying to sell them something they didn't want. Nobody wanted ad pages anymore. And even our digital like buys and plans just didn't want these digital media buys. They wanted something more interactive. We developed the first ever sponsored social media campaign, which now, you know, is like, oh, commonplace. But back in 2011, when we created it, editors had never taken like orders from the business side before. So I wasn't necessarily always popular internally either. Um, And I just started to realize that for every single one of our blue chip accounts, um, we were fighting harder than ever before with less people and the budgets were decreasing even if we were able to save them. And I was like, you know what? I want to be a part of the solution. And on the editorial side, while my brands were awesome, none of them really talked about why I like to travel, which was meeting new people. So hence, oh, the people you meet. And in February 2012, went to Africa by myself for three and a half months and Started documenting inspiring people, doing inspiring things across seven different countries. Um, While I was away, I was asked to audition for a TV show. And they're like, send us your reel. And I'm like, yeah, I'm an ex-exec from Amex. I don't have one of those. And they were like, okay, just send us a video. I was like, 
Okay, fine. So I like direct write, produce, and host this little video with one of my favorite restaurateurs in the West Village, Gabe Stuhlman. And he took me in and out of all his little restaurants and told me why they were named after his grandpa and his favorite dish and why I use sriracha on, you know, all these different details. And it was just like fun and local and insidery. And I put that on YouTube and I sent it to the production company and they're like, oh, we've gone a different direction. You know, thanks for playing. And I was like, oh, whatever. I've already spent all this time, money and energy like creating this thing. So I put it on YouTube, put it on my website as a new piece of content that wasn't Africa related. And somehow it ended up on New York Taxi TV. So one of the many people that saw it there was the head of communications for Qatar Airways, who was a former client and friend of mine. She said, I didn't realize you were creating video. I didn't either. And the next <laughs> thing I knew, I was on a plane to Doha with my cameraman, and wow. we interviewed Chef Batia and Ramsey Nobu. Um, and from there, we started distributing content on other media outlets, and we've now been all over the world. Oh, the People You Meet has over 110 global contributors. And little known fact, you're kind of one of the first people to know, I have 11 30-minute episodes um, that are currently being reviewed by some major, major players. So inshallah, as they say in the Middle East, I, I hope uh, I have even bigger and more exciting news in the weeks to come. So. This, is, this is amazing. And this is why I wanted you to tell, <laughs> tell your story and not me. Um, I want to go back a little bit. You know, you're working at Amex. You're an executive there, probably doing very well, probably mm. very comfortable. You you said, you know, you, you told us that you... You were you felt like um, the space was changing faster than your company was adapting to the change, but what was it about you? There are probably a lot of people in corporate America who feel like their passion or their interests or their true talents might lie somewhere else. What was it about you that not only thought about it but packed up your things and moved to Africa for three and a half months? I mean, my parents both thought I was crazy, obviously. I, I kind of thought I was a little crazy at first. I mean, did you just go in and quit your job, or did you take a sabbatical? Um, well, so in in 2008 was the first time I remember having a nightmare about the future of advertising. Okay. And so this is a little bit of, like, the feminist inside of me. I went to my then boss and told him how I couldn't sleep at night, and I was having these nightmares that things were changing and like, what were we doing about it? Right. And he literally told me, I don't pay you to think like this. And I was like, uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> well, that doesn't, you can imagine that didn't sit very well with me, but you know, right. I swallowed it and just went about my merry way. But I, I couldn't help it over those years just be like I was increasingly dissatisfied. I actually really like my partners and the travel industry who, by the way, 2019, most of the people I work with are partners of mine from corporate America that okay. have come on the crazy journey with me. And um, th so there was that level of frustration that was was building, um, not only with my boss, but also with the actual industry and how things were moving. And Amex, being a bank, are slightly paranoid, um, a great company, but they put me on gardening leave for three and a half months. And so what that did for me was allowed me the freedom where I couldn't physically work for three and a half months okay. to go out and to explore. And I'm so glad it did because the competitors were calling and I probably, if I didn't have that little cushion, 
I probably would have just jumped into the next high-paying job and my golden handcuffs. Now, that said, in these seven years that I've been running my company, I think the world has shifted and changed. My, my four brands that were owned by American Express at that time were sold to Time Inc. shortly thereafter, and I knew that was going to happen. Um, and then they ended up selling to Meredith. And okay. then, you know, sure. it just keeps ebbing and flowing. And it's not just the brands I used to work for. It's the entire industry. It's not just publishing. Now I've been getting into TV. TV's changing by a disruptor like a Netflix. Sure. Um, so the evolution and the changes are all happening. And I have to say... It's great even working with some of my big hotel partners. I just did this big program with a core luxury portfolio. Um, We went to Turkey. We filmed with five of their different properties, four of their brands. Um, It was an undertaking for certain, but such a great company to work with. They're so big that they come to me and they're like, did you talk to this person? Because there's the brand team and there's the regional team and there's the property level people and there's the corporate team. And then there's multiple brand teams. And we just kind of sit over here and we're like, yep, we can do it. We can do it. And they're like, not only can you do it, you can do it faster. Right. And I'm like, well, yeah, I don't have all the red tape. If I decide I want to, I might work my tail off and I probably make less money than you do and like don't have the consistency of paycheck. But like... I get to do what I love every single day. And when you say you want to do something or dream a little for this brand, I can run off and go create that and come back and be like, what do you think? Yeah. Um, And so for the most part, it's been a learning curve. But I think a lot of my partners appreciate that I have the corporate background because I'm not an influencer that fell out of the sky. I used to handle millions of people's advertising dollars. So I understand how they have to prove ROI and that... You know, you actually have to show what you're doing and show the quality and the value. I mean, any person can go take a ducky face picture in a hotel room and put it on their Instagram. But if you have two million people that can't afford to stay in your hotel, what's the good in that? Um, So I'm all about heads and beds might give you lice. Um, I think there is something to like branding and awareness. But I do think like talking to the right people and in different ways and in different channels. And again, going back to my ability to be flexible, um, if I'm in a Turkey or if I'm in Sierra Leone or if I'm in Paris, I can go out with my film crew and do something for my channels. And then, I don't know, maybe I'm creating something for Ariana Huffington's Thrive Global. And so I'll focus more on this like wellness sector or maybe my Australia videos going on American Airlines. So I'm trying to tailor fit to the different places that I know the content will be seen, if that, that makes sense. Yeah, that I think that makes a lot of sense. It sounds very dreamy to quit a corporate America job and travel the world and create content. Can you sort of open the kimono a little bit for our listeners? And like, what's the real, real behind it? You mentioned like the stability of a paycheck, the hard work, the, you know, the overall, like just if you had to share a few things that are like, and I, it's, it can also just be amazing, but I know all of us have a few things where you're like, well, I know it looks really pretty online, but here's the reality of it. Oh yeah. It's not for the faint of heart. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, I had TMJ in corporate America, and then there are times I have TMJ now. I mean, the difference back then was usually corporate politics. Uh, when I have it now, it's usually financial. Okay. Um, I've never been happier, but that's because I do what I do every day. Um, you love I what you do every day. Love what I do. Really now, do. it doesn't mean that it isn't stressful. Like, it, I woke up last night at three in the morning, like having like the wildest dreams, and I'm like, what is this like? psychic of like the future of industries like right. I can't handle it turn it uh, off turn it I off know. I'm like, yeah I wish I could tune out um but no I mean financially speaking number one um I did very well for myself as a younger woman in corporate America I do miss some of that financial flexibility um that said I found that because I had that little bit of cushion as a young woman that translated into me having some money to kick off my company, right? Um, but I still have a small business loan. I have credit card debt. It drives me absolutely bananas. And like, by the way, like having an LLC, which is my particular going with Guzzi as my parent company, um, New York City and state tax is like a bear and self-employment tax is a nightmare. Like have a good account. And I always say the if... God forbid my company goes down. The people coming down with me are my accountant, my bookkeeper, and my lawyer. Like, <laughs> for sure, to make down. sure they're happy, but yeah. they're coming with me. Like, I, I mean, we have editors and all these people on the back end yeah. and biz dev that help me out um, more on IC contracts. So there's a lot of things about corporate America that I saw is is overhead and part of the reason that, like, companies couldn't get out of their own way. They had all this red tape and they had all these restrictions. And some of that needs to stay in place totally. when you grow to a certain size. Yeah. Um, but when I looked at all the different people, and I have to say now, even looking at publishing, a lot of people are going more the independent contractor mm -hmm. route. So all of my colleagues, and I have many that work with me, contributors, but also, you know, the back end people, the, the folks that are helping me with site development, the people that are helping me edit stories from our contributors, everybody is an independent contractor. And for me, like I need a photographer, a videographer for projects, right? Or like when I'm out in the field, but I don't need them every single day. Now I work with my video editors almost every single day, but I pay them by the project. And okay. so I just tried to be really resourceful and efficient uh, in terms of, you know, where do I need people and, and their time and their value for money, right? Right. Um, and look, what's funny is a lot of people are like, oh, well, you you were a business person and now all of a sudden you're an editor and a writer and a creative. And I'm like, actually, I was a creative first, kind of accidentally got into advertising and then publishing, ended up, I was really good in sales, like who knew? And then I've translated that sales skill set into being able to run my own company. And so right. I get to create my content, but guess what? I still have to have that meeting at international luxury travel market or at Virtuoso with a high level hotelier or a minister of tourism or whoever the heck I'm talking to. And I need to be able to show them that I understand their business, that I'm going to be able to create. Um, one of my biggest challenges is especially the bigger the organization, they don't know where to put me. And if they can't put you in a box it either takes forever for them to decide how to work with you or it might not happen. So you have to actually like break it down for the big companies. So, you know, in the 
the old days, it was like PR and communications, and then there was advertising, and then like there might be the executive team, and nobody ever talked to each other, and there might be brand advertising, and there might be regional advertising, and there might be like the individual hotel. And so that can be really frustrating for someone over here because I'm like, well, all of those should be a part of the video and the story. Um, so I try to break it down, like going back to a core is a great example. They're like, well, we want you to do all of our luxury brands and like all over the world. And I was like, this deal will never happen. And even after I made them focus on one need market when we chose Istanbul and Turkey, it still took a lot to get off the ground. Now, the So you knew enough when they came to you and said, we want it all. You said, it'll never happen, so let's pick a need market. You were you actually pulled them down a little bit. It, it took us months to get there, but yeah. And then right. and now, now like they get it. And so it's still like it's hilarious. It's still rolling out, even though we've been back for months now across okay. the company. And I can like watch as a different division like learns who we are, or like maybe they had an internal newsletter or something, because all of a sudden I'll get this like fray of emails coming in. I'm like, oh, who's this person? You know, okay. I have to keep track of this whole company. I'm like, I need an org chart, <laughs> please. Um, but yeah, no, it's great because I I also have my lessons learned from working with them on this project of how I can help them navigate their own company better and more efficiently. Absolutely. So. You know, a lot of our listeners are um, leaders in the hotel and travel spaces, and we all are excitedly on this ride together watching um, content change, watching consumer behavior change. I was reading an article a couple of days ago about Iceland and how tourism is slowing down there now. And, and what I took away from that is not that tourism is slowing down, but that we collectively have started to watch each other in ways we never did before, find inspiration from each other, and then plan our life experiences around what others are doing. And we saw that Iceland is a great example of it. Mm. I was at a dinner party last week and someone said, what's the hot new travel destination? And I said, you know, if you'd asked me three years ago, I would have said Iceland and Tulum. And I said, right at the second, nothing's jumping out at me. Um, if anything, actually, I think we're gravitating towards places that don't have over-tourism. Um, there have been some places that have actually even been harmed by over-tourism. Um, anyway, a question I have for you, though, that I think a lot of our listeners might want to know is, I think this is, a, to me, this is a story of and. It's not we stop doing all of this. It's mm -hmm. and we do this now. You know, the pie has more pieces. And when you look at consumers, specifically in the luxury segment, how are they consuming information? How, what is prompting them to take action, to book that trip, to explore that hotel or that destination? I think people are out there traveling more and more. And by the way, everything you said, like it's like rapid firing these things off in my brain. One, a couple years ago, I, I felt I had another one of my visions. And I was like, oh, my God, things are changing. And I wrote a white paper um, really talking about the millennial mindset and then even turned it into an online storytelling course about how to storytell for the millennial mindset. I don't know about you. I'm, I'm a Gillexial, I'm told. Wait, what I is mean, that? Gen X millennial. Okay. So 
it, it depends what study you're going for. I'm going to reveal my big 40th is coming up. I was born in 79. So by Happy the government, birthday. thank you. By the government census, I'm uh, a millennial. Okay. But I don't really feel like a millennial. Um, by the popular study, I'm actually a Gen Xer, but I'm like the last year of the Gen Xer. And then what all these modern studies are coming up with is you know, 20 year spans, you're, you're not the same person as someone 20 years younger than you. You're nowhere right. close. I have a sister that's eight years younger than me and we are like different, totally different breeds. Um, so they're starting to like create these subsets of generations where I've had a big corporate job and I did it for over a decade and I know how to carry myself in business. I wasn't yeah, I had the hard loving parents, not the ones that told me I had got a trophy. Like if I came home with an A minus, they'd be like, "What happened here? That's it. You're grounded." Are you sure get we, it? We didn't get have right. the same parents. <laughs> no, right? <laughs> very familiar. Right. So uh, very different to my little sister who was like got away with murder. Right. Um, so what does that do? That that totally treats the way that you review everything in your life, all of your purchase habits and decisions, and so. The millennial mindset I deemed wasn't really about an age. It's it's the way that consumer behavior is changing. And so a couple of years ago, I was watching the the Ubers like roll out and then Lyft and all these copycats started. And then you have, you know, Airbnb and all of their lookalikes and their copycats. And I'm a original rent the runway uh they have an unlimited subscription, so it's You're 100. an OG. An OG. I'm a, no, I'm an unlimited girl. Yeah. I live and but die by what, my Rent the Runway unlimited membership. I wish all these things existed when I was in corporate America. They they didn't. Right. Because I wouldn't have had to buy all those ball gowns and cocktail dresses mm. that I ended up selling on the real real and to consignment shops. Um, because now the world has also gotten more casual. I mean, even restaurants, the, the world, the boom of fast casual is emerging. Mm. And I think you're seeing some of these really top tier luxury hotels. And I'll give this example from a dear friend who's the GM of the Peninsula in Beverly Hills. You know, their their rooms are going like, their suites are going for like over 10 grand a night and probably well over that during certain periods. And he said that they're even struggling with Airbnb because the people that own mansions in Beverly Hills, you know, that might be their third, fourth home. And they're just renting it out for 7,000 a night with staff in a car. And so Airbnb and that whole like shared economy has been impacting every business at every level for a while. And I think it's just been in the past few years that it's really come in at the luxury market. So this was something that I, I saw back in the day and was like, whoa, what's going on? And so I'm lucky because what I do, I, I try to be ahead of trends and I try to communicate trends and I try to storytell towards trends and I try to like help educate people and inspire them. I don't try to scare people. I try to make people aware of what's happening out there and give people relevant examples that you can swallow and you're like, hmm, okay, there's it maybe it doesn't apply to you, but like maybe this little seed gets planted then like a year from now, you know, you're like, oh, whoa, what happened here? In reference to destinations, um, I think more people are traveling than ever before. And I think you're right. Iceland did have a really big moment uh, a few years back and Tulum as well. And I think that's kind of, you know, the the chic trendsetters go in and especially with Instagram and they have all their stories and put out all their fabulous photos. And then eventually, like, 
all these different hotels and restaurants all go in there and they cater to a larger market. And then it loses a little bit of that sexy sex appeal. And then those trendsetters find their next newest and latest and greatest. I haven't really seen like the pops like you did with Iceland and Tulum. However, there there are still things that are out there. I'm seeing a lot more private member clubs that are coming up. Tell me about that. I, I do want to go back really quickly yeah. to your point about um, uh, this this very... I, I actually, if anyone wants this, you can have it. I bought the domain and then got rid of it because I just I don't need <laughs> another website. But I actually bought the domain, the bougie borrower, because of this borrowing economy. Mm-hmm. I think that... More and more, especially the generations, I'll say in the 30s, 20s, and somewhat into the 40s, I'm 42, so I'm kind of in your space, we really aren't enamored with ownership, like our past, Mm. our parents, and and so... um, But even our parents are selling their house in Connecticut and buying a small pad in Manhattan and like taking Uber around, you know? Exactly, right? My mother takes Uber now, which like knock me over, (laughs) you know, from her house on a golf course in Florida. And um, I I do think there is... uh, there is a lack of attachment to owning things. We just, we want to get to wear them or get, just get to the place or eat the food or experience the location. And then put a picture on Instagram. And share it. (laughs) Yeah. And share it and create these memories, not only for ourselves, but for everyone we love. And so, um, so I really agree with that. I think that's a huge place to keep looking. And again, even like with Airbnb, so much respect for Airbnb, it's an and. Mm. There are so many different ways to do all of these things. You know, I recently, I work in the hotel space, and so I'm always exploring different ways to stay. Mm. And recently, um, I tried out, I don't know if I should name it or not, but I tried out a new hospitality concept, um, kind of a, a blend between an Airbnb and a hotel. And I liked it, but I kind of missed the hotel aspect because I wanted to wake up and have a cup of coffee. Mm. And in this place, when I woke up, I either had to um, make coffee, but then I didn't have all the stuff, you know, or I had to walk five blocks to go find a, co- you know, and then, and I had this little moment of like, oh, I really do like hotels. I like just the, yeah. you know, I like everything plug and play. Yeah. Um, but, but I love that there's the, and I love that there are so many different ways to travel and stay and experience places. And that to me is really exciting. Yeah. You mentioned that you're a bit of a visionary and I've always known you are. Um, and you said you're a trend spotter. So I'm going to put you on the spot oh, and gosh. ask you, <laughs> give me, um, and they don't have to be travel even. Like we said, you know, I think bougie borrowing is a great example of a trend. Mm. Um, give me three uh, trends that are just keeping you up at night right now. Cause it sounds like you wake up in the middle of the night thinking about these things. I do. I do. I think um, one, and this will kind of probably blend into a couple different trends is so I have actually been someone that has been renting out my apartment before Airbnb launched. Because even in corporate America, I was traveling like two and a half, three weeks a month. And then now I travel almost 300 days a year. How did you, what sites did you use to rent it out? I didn't. Oh, it was okay. always like friends oh, okay. and friends Just of friends and being community. in the travel industry. Right. Oh, there's the buzzword community. Yeah. Um, 
the other buzzword that I don't want to hear about anymore is lifestyle. Okay. Um, Let's take it off the table. No communities, no lifestyles. Oh my God. Well, no, you're going to keep hearing them. They're not going away anytime soon. I was at a networking event last night and it was a networking event of community builders. Mm -hmm. And I, it's not really a space I play in. And I sort of ended up there by happenstance. I went to this this thing, I probably shouldn't say the name, this kind of underground um, idea sharing club in New York, which was so cool, ended up getting invited to this community sharing event. I was like, I'm just going to go to be, yeah, of course. you know, and I didn't even realize there's a whole subculture of community builders and that's their, that's their world oh, is yeah. to create various communities within a region or the world right. or a city or whatever. Anyway. Well, so, I mean, one of, one trend is that I, as a, a, person that drank all the Kool-Aid of the shared economy. Um, it really fit my lifestyle over the past many years. Um, I think that there's going to be a little bit of a backlash to it. Uh, one is, you know, for me, I even rent my place out and I have a different set of sheets and I have, I always make sure there's coffees and teas, but like, you know, if I'm in Sierra Leone filming and something goes wrong and then I have to like get on the phone with the maintenance man or whatever, whatever it is, there's a time lag, um, and yeah, sometimes you just want a coffee. And even though I put together like a little guide of like, here's the coffee place, here's the vegan restaurant, right. here's where you can get free Wi-Fi, whatever, there's still something nice to being able, like, hey, do this for me. Right. Call the I front mean, desk and right. get more fluffy sheets right. or towels. And if yeah. you're here on business or whatever, like, sure. or like, you know, it just, it's nice. Like, you know, there's consistency in a brand. And so I think, you know, the good news for the hotel companies is, yes, you're still going to have to have cool localized experiences, but I do think there'll be somewhat of a little backlash and also prices have come down because of the shared economy. Um, Another is these private member clubs. And so you have Soho House, which is slowly taking over the world. Um, you know, WeWork has always had their their community and their community thought leaders. But um, there's something called Habitas or the Assemblage. And sure. now the Assemblage is open to hotel downtown um, and they're opening more. And Habitas started with a, a hotel in Tulum and now they have a, a property out in Venice, California and they have one in New York. And then um, was, I just ran into someone that runs the Gansevoort Hotel Group and he was like, oh, we're opening a private members club in London. And I was like, of course you are. <laughs> and so there's all the, <laughs> and I mean, great, good on him. Um, I mean, Six Senses is opening one right over here in New York and Hudson Yards. There's all these people who their maybe their thing is wellness. I mean, the core club has been around forever. Right. And so, you know, some of them are the artists. I, I curate actually a lot of programming and showcase a lot of my content right, at these private do. member clubs. Yeah. And so it's interesting for me to be able to tap in and to to educate and empower their members and for their members to feel like they have this special access uh, to a piece of content, whether it's a screening and or a panel discussion or whatever it might be. In a good way, I feel like people are like, really culturally curious and I think mindfulness will continue to come about mindfulness isn't just going and getting a very nice massage or having a steam or doing yoga even though I love all those things I think it's it's going a, a step further and like really being accountable for yourself and your actions and I always say with the content we create you can't unknow something and so once we've showcased a situation in Cambodia or a poaching situation in Africa or in Sierra Leone and 
the struggle that they've gone through with civil war and Ebola and the mudslides and how they're now naming a national animal. Once you start to understand a destination and its people and the impact society and, and our modern world is having, I feel like you kind of have to take a stand. And in a good way, I feel like people care and are being exposed to more than ever before. They really are. Those are, that's, that's neat. That I, I didn't fully expect that list of the three, and I really like that. <laughs> Thank that's you. Great, no, I mean, I, I, I really like that. Um, so as we wrap up, I always want to make sure that our listeners know where to find you and engage and be a part of the stories you're telling. Um, so where can our listeners find you? Yes, please. Uh, my website is Oh, The People You Meet. And then we're on every social channel. But uh, you can follow Michaela Gezi on Instagram or OTPYM. When I named my company, I didn't think of the acronym. So really still like the name of my company. But for those who are out there thinking, oh, you've got the best name on the planet, step back one and try to figure out what your acronym is before. <laughs> That's a really good point. A friend of mine recently was playing with baby names. And I was like, you got to look at the monogram and the uh, initials yes, too. Yes. My, um, my initials are AOL, which of course my parents would have no idea. MSG. <laughs> Anti-allergic, you know. Anti-allergic to MSG and AOL doesn't, I don't even know if it exists anymore. Oh my gosh. Well, this has been such a pleasure, Michaela. I really love having you on. And what I love so much about um, being able to tell your story to our listeners is that to me, you're the ultimate and, um, you know, you can, you can love what you do and make a living doing it. You can see what everyone else is doing and add to it. And I just think to me, you're just the ultimate and it's, it's not taking away from anything. It's adding to it in a new way and in a way that I think speaks to so many people who, who really do just want to experience the world and learn more about themselves. So keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. Awesome. And to our wonderful listeners, as always, it just means the world to us at J Public Relations that you come along this journey with us with priority status. We love bringing this content to you. We love receiving your feedback about our episodes and our guests. So please keep them coming. You can email us. It's podcast at jpublicrelations.com. I'm Amy Ogden, Senior Vice President of Brand at JPR. And until next time, travel elevated. <laughs>